0: Welcome to the Tri Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This
1: is Trav. This is Paul. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast, your podcast of remembering how great the game was and still is. This week, we have a small in memoriam to a great contributor to the Bureau 13 universe of Bureau 13 of TriTac Games, and that is Nick Pilata. Nick Pallada passed on April 13th from cancer-related issues. We wish him well in his continuing journeys. We would like to thank him and all of his supporters for a great guy who has spent many, many years writing great books and being active on forums, Bureau 13 and otherwise, and helping us enjoy and celebrate uh, the great game from Tritech that is Bureau 13.
2: The Bureau 13 novels he wrote was a large influence for me getting the lead on converting Bureau 13 to D20, so I have that amount of gratitude for him. The uh, All of you, of course, know him also for Illegal Aliens, which has the Phil Folio cover, so I mean, Nick is a very famous author, and his contribution to Bureau 13 Universe basically got me here today on this podcast, so... Yeah, he will be missed in the world of fiction yeah. in general and Bureau 13, and rest in peace, Mr. Plata.
0: Oh, yeah. I I met Nick. Uh, he actually moved to Seattle and uh, ended up joining his Bureau 13 game with Phil Foggio, Kaya Foggio, James Ernest, and James's wife, who I'm sorry, I forgot your name... Uh, <laughs> And we had several adventures in team tunafish <laughs> what yes <laughs> yeah yes
3: tuna fish
0: yeah that was yeah.
1: the name of the team that was in all the novels the, the first three I should say
3: mm-hmm. oh you know what I have, I have never read any of the novels well well that's a shame
0: Peter you ought to yeah well maybe yeah. I should uh, they are still available yeah Nick Pilata is was a very very prolific writer to the point where he actually wrote under at least two uh, pseudonyms. He also was one considered one of the best of the uh, Mac Bolin writers. Uh, in fact, everyone says his novels were... You can you can spot Nick Pallotta novel out of the, out of the Mac Bolin series whenever they showed up. Nick Pallotta would research th- things to death. Uh, he actually... With his, uh, what was it, the uh, oh, the, this, the uh, News Team novels? Oh, I'm trying to remember the name of those. Satellite News Team. Satellite News Team. He actually spent time with an actual TV News Team to get a feel for how TV News Team actually operates and how they do things to make sure his novels had that right feel.
2: Well, I he- heard that Nick had a lot of jobs throughout his life. We can say he was a well-rounded individual.
1: Yep. He was a man of great passion. There's no doubt about that. Many people who have played Bureau 13 got their first exposure to Bureau 13 through his novels. And they showed up very enthusiastic at the booth at Gen Con many, many years, saying, is Nick here? Can I get him to sign my books? (laughs) And we said, while you're doing that, here, why don't you buy a copy of Bureau 13? And they're like, (laughs) there's a game? Oh, my goodness.
3: So, I guess it's fair to say that TriTac has lost a family member. Indeed. Yes. So, I, I would say anyone who has a drink available, <laughs> let's raise our glass and take a drink to the late, great Nick Pilato.
0: Yes. Cheers.
3: Nick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Rest in peace, Nick. Yes. All right. So now, moving on to our topic for tonight. We are speaking of one of the new published games by TriTech Games. We are going to look over the Weird Zone game.
0: I received a draft version of this back in 85. So I actually saw the original version of this game, and a lot of the elements are still there.
1: Right. There were 10 copies made of that 85 version. And uh, only na- now have it, has it been recreated, or not recreated actually, it's a new version. The game is 37 pages long. I'm not sure what the price is. It is available on the tri Games website. You can order it that way and they would be happy to, to send you your PDF. It only is available in PDF. At 37 pages, it would not be extremely expensive to print it out either through just your printer or through some of the various online services like lulu or any others
3: kinkos i would say go ahead and print it out yourself because i look through it and there are some pictures in here but it is not image intensive it's not going to kill your ink printers i mean there are images there are plenty of images in here to to keep it interesting but it's not going to kill any printer that you have i I would So I had, you know, I I played a bunch of Fringeworthy and I played some Incursion. Uh, I played some uh, Bureau 13, but I, you know, I, I there's quite a few project products that Rich has put out that I didn't have. You know, I never had um, Beach Bunny bimbos with blasters. I never had my own copy of Incursion. And I never had FTL 2448. And this weird zone that he was talking about, you know, that I was like, what what what's this weird zone that I never heard of? So he sent me this whole package And I read through Weird Zone when when I first got it, which was, I think, about two years ago when we started talking about doing other things for the podcast. And I kind of put it aside, and we had mentioned it and stuff. Now, I pulled it out for tonight's show and, and went back through it again. It's actually really a cool concept. When I was reading back through it again, I was like, wow, I really want to run this. So I think I'm already scheduled for Gen Con for uh, OGC and other conventions I'm going to, I've already scheduled those events for those. But I think maybe for Dragon Con, I might run a Weird Zone adventure because it's, it's a really cool supplement. I mean, you know, I don't know. It, it's a, it's a world because it's not its own system.
1: Well, it's not its own system, but it, it is its own game.
3: Realistically, you could run it with any game. You could, you could start it with D&D. It could, you could be in your D&D hut and start Weird Zone. It's actually really cool.
1: Well, since you're so familiar with it, why don't you give us the premise to our listeners of Weird
0: Zone? Yeah, give us the elevator pitch. Oh, Elevator pitch. I'm not
3: prepared for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, how can I do it and choose words as many as possible? Uh, all right. So, Weird Zone is a is a role playing setting where you are interdimensional and intertime travelers, and your vehicle is your abode. Uh, you travel through alternate timelines, uh, and you have adventures and. Uh, you're always tethered to your house, so if you wander away from it, when your house disappears, you go with it. Uh, you can have adventures in the in what they call the weird zone, where you're traveling in between your, your the interdimensional space, uh, and of course you have adventures when you get to your your landing point. Uh, it is very well noted that um, all your resources are finite, so if you were living completely on the grid. Uh, You are now off the grid forcibly and you have no resources. So all your water has gone. Your sewage spills out, I guess, into the weird zone. Uh, You have no gas or electricity or whatever. If you were a – Survivalist. If you were a prepper – and you had all your stuff close enough to your house within the the, the basic 100-foot ring that it creates. Uh, it can be bigger, but that's the average. But let's say you had all your survivalist-type stuff close enough to your house. <laughs> you could have all those amenities, as long as it wasn't solar power, because yeah, the sun goes away when you go into the weird space.
1: Well, but it exists
3: wherever you end up at. Yeah, It does exist wherever you end up at, but it, it's, it's a really neat concept.
1: So what we have here is we have your house— And some of the surrounding land around your house getting grabbed up like that Outer Limits episode where they took a whole town, the aliens did, and plopped it somewhere on another planet. In this particular case, uh, they abduct you and your house and the surrounding land. They, as in an unnamed force, we don't even know who they are, and you become untethered and going through dimensions where you land and then you're stuck in those dimensions for uh, 5D10 hours. And then at the end of that, you get sucked back into the weird zone and go traveling to the next place. So it has a lot in common with things like sliders, with time tunnel, any of these other ones where you are hurtling along without control and you just have to make do wherever you land and whatever happens along the way.
0: Basically, on average, it's like 31, 32 hours you're going to be on a world Before you you go bye-bye again.
1: So that's the 5D, 10 plus 6 is 32?
0: It's somewhere in that area, yeah. Maximum stay, 56 hours. So minimum stay, uh, 11 hours. So,
3: yeah. And you're in transit for 3D, 10 plus 6 hours. Right. And stuff goes on while you're in transit.
1: Yeah, so you're always going to be in transit for at least 9 hours.
3: Yep. Enough time to sleep, although you probably shouldn't. No, no. no. Okay.
1: <laughs> As uh, Peter was saying, is that since you're, you're literally being physically grabbed your your land around your house from its original location, anything that isn't self-sufficient on that land is going to become inoperative until you can do something to fix it uh, so that it can be. And that's probably going to be an ongoing issue for the first few episodes of the game that if you're playing this on an ongoing basis is you trying to get your land your plot what they call a zero plot more and more self-sufficient because you never know what's going to be there when you land right oh, yeah.
3: yeah your first stop in a modern world go get generators get gasoline get gasoline right <laughs> yeah it's like in the movie
1: Dracula when the ship crashes up against the coast of England and all the rats go scurrying off the ship off into the surrounding countryside. That's what all the players are going to be like. They're going to be like, here's your martial Here's your short list. Go find it. Go find what you can find and and, and bring it back because if it's bigger than – if it's large-sized, you know, like large supplies of water, large supplies of, of gasoline or whatever like that, you're going to have to cart it back because you, you probably aren't going to be able to carry it physically on your body when you come back. So uh, there's going to be a lot of shopping carts and, and, and carts with big wheels and I don't know what else you might cobble together to, to go off and be able to drag stuff back in time.
0: Shopping carts from every from every dimension in the uh, out there, you know. So you have one that's basically got Mayan writing on its side, sitting next to your house because you you're never gonna get it back to that one world. But hey, you got a Mayan shopping cart, <laughs> yep. big
1: huge tires on it because you can't be sure that you're gonna have a nice concrete street to push it down. It could be yep. you know a cobblestone road. And I don't know about you, but I've tried to take shopping carts over cobblestone roads before, and it ain't pretty
0: if you're not in the plot when it shifts into weird weird zone you go along and you appear at the edge of the zero plot yeah you get sucked back anything you're carrying will be brought along with you so you basically always want to be carrying something cuz you never know you never know when the plot goes back you know goes back into weird zone
3: you do get some uh, you get warning
0: okay an a hour
2: before thing. departure you get a psychic notification a feeling That's that right. things are about to happen there's no way to delay this process yes
3: and then 5 minutes before you get another warning
2: yeah, yeah, thunder rumble will rumble five minutes before departure.
0: Imagine how many car how many stolen cars are, 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 are parked at the edge of your of your zero plot.
3: Yeah, I think about it. Look, you're right, John. You get a car, right? You get that five minute warning, you drive through a grocery store's front window, right? Freaking everybody out. They go running. You just start throwing groceries like crazy into that car. Then you jump in, grab a hold of the wheel and wait to be transported out. Now you got a car full of groceries. Those are some of the strategies that you're going to want to work with as part of the adventure.
4: Yeah, you never have to worry about escaping from someplace.
1: No, you don't. Not you personally escaping, but you escaping with what you want to bring back. That's another
0: story. Yeah, if you want to go on a bender and end up in jail, no problem. You'll be out in 56 hours.
4: Groundhog Day! (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying that, you know, you can't get cornered in any scenario. You go to a bank and you want to slam the safe door behind you and set the time lock and you start cleaning out all the, the deposit boxes for gold. And then you just wait for the timer to count down. Sure. You can't ever be stuck somewhere.
3: Yeah, just think about it. You go into a bank, right? You, you wait until it's close. You get that hour warning or whatever. And that's when you walk into the bank. Because you're hoping you don't get shot, because if you die, you're dead, and that's done. Yeah. But yeah. Y- you go into the bank, you take the thing hostage, you got all these hostages, you get all the money that you can get in a bag and put it over your shoulder, Put strap the bags over your shoulders and stuff. All you do is hold out. Just hold out. It'll zap you back.
1: Actually, I would say that you're picking the wrong place, uh, Peter, to do this. What you want to do is you want to hold up a pawn shop. Mm. Because they have gold coins, gold coinage, gold items. You'd spend the entire time scoping out the pawn shop. Then in that last hour, that's when you go and do what you just suggested.
3: Hey, hey, Bruce, man, that gold stuff, that's great. But pawn shops have things that are even more valuable considering what you're doing. Power tools, anything you can imagine.
0: Well, if you're looking for trade goods, you also can go to thrift shop, housewares section, trade goods, So one of the big questions in this game,
1: you're there with a group of players, okay? Let's assume there's four players. So who are these four people? Why are they on in your house when this happens? That's one of the number one questions the game itself doesn't suggest that you answer. But I'm telling you, I think it's probably the the most important thing because a lot of these tactics that we're kind of alluding to right here is going to depend an awful lot on who you are as a person, whether you're willing to pull out a gun and rob a bank.
2: Well, Well, yeah, because if you're in a house, nine times out of ten, it's you, the missus, and the 2.4 kids. Are you going to sit there and tell Junior, okay, we need to do... uh, uh, Yeah, it's... it's,
1: Who's putting the shotgun in the hands of Junior?
2: Right. Who's
1: going to give the assault weapon to his daughter?
2: Yeah.
0: When the example Zero Plots is the apartment complex, not only is it you and your flatmates, it's it's whoever was at home at the time. Exactly. Which could be dozens of people. Yeah.
1: And that's a real problem because you're going to spend the next 30-some hours with no water, and probably in a state of absolute terror the first time it happens. And rotting food in all your refrigerators, yeah. I mean, when people look out and they see nothing but that gray mist out there, they're not going to think they're going to come back home within 30 hours. They're going to start thinking, i got to provide for my family, and i got to be the one who makes the hard decision now because someone else is going to make that hard decision on me if I don't. So uh, it makes a big difference as to what your zero plot is as t- and who you are as a group. Now the, the easy one for players, of course, is to say, "Hey, we're playing our role playing game, and we're, all of course, all our friends are here together, and we're playing with our GM, and this happens." Yeah,
3: you know, Bruce, I was going to say that.
2: Group. Yeah,
3: <laughs> we we've actually done this a couple times. We've run campaigns where we actually play ourselves. A lot of people do that. Sometimes we play with stylized versions of ourselves, you know, like, you know, we each get to pick a what if we did this instead kind of thing. You know, this would be a perfect scenario for that. I mean, like some of the other ones, some some of the ones that we've played, were are not really great scenarios for that. Like, why would it be us? Uh, but this would, this would be a great setup for that. If you wanted to do that, your friends are coming over to hang out or whatever and boop, off you go because you know how to play yourself. You know who you are.
4: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and don't limit yourself to your house. You could be the big Le- the Big Lebowski in the bowling alley. The bowling alley is, is the center of zero plot.
3: Or it could be a church. That wouldn't be my friends, but okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'd like this one because as a person who is a person of belief, let me just say is that not everybody in the church is on the same place in the spiritual path. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. And you're going to find out where you are— and where people that are around you that you've been smiling at every
3: Sunday, you may find out that they are capable of things that you never dreamed of. Oh, oh, I know. But you know what? A church would be a great building anyway. I mean, look, hey, Bruce, you're right. A church is a great building because most of them are built like fortifications to begin with.
1: Right. That's why in our, uh, in our zombie episode, I suggested it as one of the possible places to hold out for an extended yeah. period during a zombie apocalypse. It has a lot of resources in it that can be accessed by the people who are there.
0: Yeah, because actually if it's a stone church, it's even better because you have that one in ten chance of weather happening. And if the weather happens, you have a one in four chance of bad weather happening that can damage the building or even kill people. Sure.
1: If you want to get more serious about this, and what I mean by serious, I mean more gritty, more dangerous. um, How about a big piece of a Mexican prison? (laughs) (laughs) Ooh. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I like that. I like where you're going. I was actually going to suggest one of those halfway houses, you know, where the where the convicts are transitioning back into real society. Right. And if, and if you
1: want
3: to do the ultimate in hellhole, junior high
1: school. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> oh. But, oh, yeah. You know
3: it's funny because this this transition, I guess, is natural. Because I was thinking about this: is like, what is a place where you, anyone could play any type of character, anybody from any background, from from anywhere? And I was thinking, like, a grocery store, because we all have to buy, you know, we all have to buy food. That is like a common denominator, uh, or or the DMV, you know. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to go to the DMV to get their license. So it's like you could literally, everybody make up whatever character you want. I have a, a situation where I can put you all together. So like a grocery store, a DMV, a doctor's office, any one of those will work. A, right. church, a, a church is good, okay, but it doesn't work for that because not every character would go to church. But everybody needs to buy food. Everyone needs to go to the doctor. Well, you'll find the churches are very eclectic as far as their people going to them. Oh sure, I'm sure you can make it work, but I'm just saying, like you wouldn't have a Muslim in a Christian church. You just that that wouldn't happen. It could be a visitor. It could be. You're right. You're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. Because I have been
1: to churches. They could be having a, a play. They could be doing Fiddler on the Roof. Sure.
3: Okay. It could be doing like a toy drive or something,
0: or or they could be having one over. You know, having Imam over to provide contrast and let them know that Islam is not the evil,
1: or just simply to explain what are the basic tenets of his uh, his beliefs.
3: It could be a wedding. A wedding draws in everybody. Yes, Peter. Even better, it can be the circus. The cir- Oh, that would be badass. A circus
4: tent flying through space. A whole circus? The lions, the tigers, the elephants, the,
1: the clouds
0: and the car. I think that would be a little bit more in our zero plot. Minimum size is, is a, a hundred foot radius. So, you know, theoretically if you really want to do it, you can do a world out, you can do a city out of time. Basically, you know, a small town, population two hundred, vanishes
1: no i agree i agree yeah by the way the book does not recommend doing this because as much as i like conflict having a 50 to 80 percent die off <coughs> first 30 hours of the game
4: yeah is, it,
1: okay that's going to set the tone for the rest of your campaign and you may not want that particular tone
0: even as a hospital even with the generators, generators are only good for like 10 hours or something like that before you of gas so
4: that's kind of harking back to what Style of game are you going to play when you break out the book? And for me, this game is all about having some lighthearted fun. This is the one that you play in between two gritty campaigns. If we could play Time Bandits, how would we play it? We made the joke about it in the
0: forums. We're talking about this interdimensional trailer trash. You know, because eventually you go, it's going to turn into that. You're going to have vehicles and blocks because you have no, because you got no wheels for them because the wheels have been were were destroyed. You got everywhere because it accumulates. That says something going to happen during during the transit. You can get debris dropping on your place. It ends up looking like white trash lives here. And of course, you may not be white, but you know, it's still, it's, it looks like it looks like trailer trash at that point.
1: If you don't make an effort to keep your plot looking nice, it is going to end up looking very trashy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about weird space for a while, since you brought it up, John. There's a bunch of things that happen in weird space. One of the things that happens is, of course, there is no water, there is no food, except what is on your own plot. But there is air. There's plenty of air. It's nice, good air, until weather shows up. I personally think that weather should show up a lot, he said within the first 10 hours there's a 10 percent chance of weather showing up i think there should be a 10 percent chance per 10 hours of it showing up so if you're in weird space 30 hours there should have been three rolls for weather i say that only because i think the weather is really amazing and cool so what kind of stuff happens with the weather john
0: you get your standard you know birds Small birds, you know, little birds—they all just sort of showing up, and your plot looks like singing like a seagull resting place. Right, but that's
4: food, right? That's good food. That's what I was thinking—food, potential food. Yeah, or it could be debris. <laughs> Four and twenty blackbirds spy. Stop.
3: What? There's the pterodactyls that that are mentioned under birds. They apparently they qualify as birds. Yeah, yeah. That that may not be as much fun and easy. But it's definitely food. But pterodactyls also are under
0: dinosaurs, which also show up.
2: Yeah.
4: Tastes like chicken.
2: <laughs> right, exactly, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, debris, electric clouds. These are tiny little storms. When I say tiny, it says you can deal with them with a badminton racket. Yeah. <laughs> But they're still dangerous. You can still get shocked by one of those suckers.
1: Right. <laughs> see, there's all kinds of different kinds of weather, and they're going to show up on a fairly regular basis. So it seems to me that one of the things that you're going to have to do as you go along is to try to expand the environs of your buildings. You're going to want to make these buildings more and more covered space so that when this weather shows up, you can try to keep it on the outside. Because I can't see growing crops on these plots, considering some of the stuff that's going to fall out of the sky while you're in weird space.
0: Yeah, hot cloud. They're described as colorful bits of hell and will start small fires on your zero plot. They basically will start about D10 fires per three minutes of cloud contact. So, you know, that could be upwards of three rolls. Your place could be completely on fire at that point. Yeah, and it says they can be dissipated with a good bucket of water. Well, a good bucket of water
1: is like a gallon of water. Hey, that's enough water for like four people in a day.
3: You may need that water. So I can tell you after your first encounter with with, uh, the hot clouds, if you should survive it, if your house should survive it, uh, your next landing point, fire extinguishers, Get fire extinguishers.
0: But the one that really will mess you up, even though it sounds like a good thing, is a life cloud. Life cloud makes anything that, well, basically heals. So you get healed. It'll make seeds sprout. And it'll make cured wood sprout and start growing leaves. That means your wooden frame house basically destroys itself in a few minutes as it starts sprouting and growing limbs and leaves.
1: Yeah, it's like the D&D warp wood spell cast by a high, very, very high-level druid.
0: Oh, by the way, if you have a mixed-gender team... The life clouds also act as Viagra. Well, it says a fertility
2: drug.
1: Yeah. Right. So in other words, if you if you engage in sexual relations during the time that this is going on, you will conceive. Whether you're having sex or not, you'll just conceive? No, no, no. You have to still do it. Okay, okay. Okay. It's one of those things where it's a good opportunity to do certain things. It's it's like a plot d- device. I mean, if, if you have some two, a family, you know, a, a husband and wife who've been trying to have kids and they haven't been able to, here's your opportunity.
3: And and you know what? I'll be honest with you. If I was DMing this, I probably would not. I probably wouldn't roll on this weather chart. I would probably just pick things. I, I you know I would decide the night you know before I was, we were going to play that night what was going to happen because in that way. I can control the plot and the story and stuff. I mean, you can roll it if you want, and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. I would probably just pick stuff from here.
1: Yeah, I, I would roll for for incidents how many times it's going to happen during the trip and then decide if you want to play a lighthearted campaign, you don't want to have like a black cloud followed by li- lightning followed by swarms. <laughs> right?
4: <laughs> Gee, are we having fun yet? No, we're not. <laughs> but you can really have fun with something like a memory store and you can either use it just to, you know, pick up the mood to throw the players a red herring, or it's an important plot point that says, Hey guys, turn right. Or you may want to decide
0: to let them get a Nav Cloud or a Nav Wester. Nav Cloud lets you, the zero plot's over there. It's basically a built in compass. You can find where your zero plot is no matter where you are, it's always a compass. A Nav Wester gives you the ability to go, Oh, we're going to be in this world for 10 hours. And you will be on that world for 10 hours,
1: which would be helpful to know. Yeah. So instead of you having that one-hour warning, you've got all the warning you need. I mean, you know exactly how much time you're going to be there and what you think you can accomplish in that period of time.
0: Yep. Now, Bruce, you were talking about the birth. Now, there's a little hole in the rules there. It says, as long as you're 17 pounds or or more on a zero plot, you'll be transited. Uh, I would simply say ignore that rule because that means babies, small newborn babies won't get transited.
2: Well, unless they're on the zero plot already.
0: No, 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 no. The way it's written, anything living over 17 pounds will shift as long as it's on the zero plot. Does that mean anything under 17 pounds won't transit on the zero plot?
2: Well, it also says that if you are linked to that zero plot, if you're an infant and you got dragged along originally, you're going to keep transiting along if you are originally linked to that zero plot. I doubt you're going to go stealing babies when you're out and about and hope that they transfer with you. Because, that, well, that's, you know, kidnapping. And-
3: yeah. Hey, hey, John, I think that just has to do with linked. To the zero plot. So if you have something that's under 17 pounds and it's already on that plot of land, it will transition.
1: Yeah, it could be worded better. I think the point that they were trying to get to was that if you are a person or animal over... It's the second sentence under the pre-departure checklist. Any person or animal over 17 pounds in weight transfers whether you're on the zero plot or not. That's what they're trying to go for. So if you have a chihuahua who wa- who wanders off, they're gone.
0: He's staying. yeah.
1: How many women want to give birth in their homestead? Not very many. All right. Yeah. You're having your baby at the local hospital. Okay. All of a sudden you realize, hey, it's, it's the hour. Okay. I'm going to find my baby in the nursery right now because that baby's not going to come with you unless you have that baby in your arms when yeah. you yeah. transfer back. Because you're in the hospital. That's what I think is what they're trying to get to with this. And frankly, anything that's on the zero plot when you transfer is going to transfer. Yeah. I don't know anything that wouldn't.
2: Yeah, that's how you pick up new players or, or new characters. If you want to add a new character to your weird zone game. Right. Well, then... They just happen to be on the zero plot when you disappear.
0: Right. And, then passenger clouds will drop people off, too.
3: So I have a question. something that, that came up. I was reading through this, and I, and I haven't seen it anywhere yet. What if you're transiting through weird space and you jump off the side? Oh! Nothing happens. You're floating. Yep. Okay.
1: There's air. You can start swimming with your arms to try to move yourself around. You can either go back onto your zero plot. If you play Fringeworthy, it's essentially the way the platforms used to be, where you have this wide area. There's no gravity on the outside. If you go up 100 feet... OK, there's no gravity there either. So you could literally swim over your zero plot and come down the other side.
3: So you keep the momentum that you're zero. You travel with it. You're just whatever distance you travel out. That's the distance out you are. Right. So let's say you're you're outside of the bubble. OK. You're in that gray, crazy space right. outside of your, your bubble. And the house, your, your zero plot, dumps down onto a world. Right. Do you automatically get sucked back onto the zero plot? I would say no. If you're outside
1: the yeah. area around it, you're not going. Uh, you're not going to go down. You're going to be lost. So you're gone. Well, you're not gone. You're lost, and then that's where you're swimming around, hoping to find another zero plot floating along, so you can try to get onto
0: that zero plot or you fire a passenger cloud and hitch ride on that to an, to another zero
3: plot. Okay, so so as a as a plot element, just, just thinking from the thing of this from a, you know, from a plot driven story, let's say you've got a player who is going to be gone on vacation for a couple of weeks or or they're they're deployed to Afghanistan or something for 6 months. They've been a regular part of the campaign, but you need to make them disappear for a little while and you need to be able to make you need to be able to bring them back in. Whenever they show back up again. Okay. You could have them fall off the zero plot and disappear into that ether. Uh-huh. And then you say, all right, at the end of the adventure, you just you just, you just have the story develop that way. And then you would say, all right, well, when you return, I'll work you back in. So at that yeah. point, they show up on a passenger cloud or maybe another zero plot. Maybe you, you structure the adventure so in such a way that – and we'll get into this because we're going to wind up talking about this, another zero plot comes comes passing by and they go, oh crap, there's such and such.
1: Yeah,
0: he jumps ship. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay,
1: He jumps ship and comes back over. You don't die just because you get off of the zero plot. In that way, it's not like Fringeworthy where you go so far you run out of no air. Goodbye. The, there's, there's air all through the weird zone. Right, and it's, 40, what, 47 degrees? Yeah, that's pretty cold.
3: That's pretty cold.
4: You know, looking at the game, there's all these uh, airships and aircraft moving back and forth through the weird zone exploring the weird zone exploring other zero plots you can just stick him on an airship that that makes contact with zero plots that are all essentially worthless for that period of time
3: yeah
1: right 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 well you that's that's something we can talk about as far as like what's the long term use of this game as far as a campaign is concerned
0: one thing I actually I uh, like to clarify because I actually Richard I actually asked Richard about this. Yeah, that's why I wanted him on the show. When the zero plot transfers to, to another world, it's a swap. That is where it lands, appears in the world you left. Okay, that's not what it says. Uh, actually, that's what happens though. Look in the very first. No, I read it.
1: Okay, what it says is is that if they just kind of disappear and they come back. You know, but that nothing happens to them.
0: It is and isn't. If you look at the very first paragraph that talks about the storm where everything happens, it's, it's it describes swaps. There are no craters. There are actually circles of land with trees and grass or whatever appearing where the where the zero plot used to be. That's a swap, and that's what he really intended intended to happen. But then he wrote things up so he didn't want he, what he didn't want to happen was more zero plots being created. If you swap between the two worlds, bit that got swapped from planet B to planet A, does not become a zero plot. It's now permanently transferred. They don't know what happened. They, they, they don't go to the weird zone. They, they simply appear.
1: Yeah, John, uh, you, you know that all of his flavor text never matches his games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that's why you have to look at what's in the game, in the actual game descriptions for these things. And it says
0: that those things basically go into La La Limbo land and come back after you leave. The GM, if I was writing this game, I actually would do a swap myself. Have them swapped. But you know, it's up to the. I would say it's up to the GM how you want, how you really want to run this. If you were to run it like the flavor text, it's a swap. If you're not, it's it's they're shoved into a hyperspace bubble, then they're brought back when we leave. So either way, you know, you can you can play however however you want to. You know, this is tri tech games. You play it however you want to play it. <laughs> One of the
1: questions that I ask my wife to think about, you know, because I I usually bounce these things off of my wife whenever I'm talking about what I'm going to say on the podcast. Since I like conflict, of course, I want to take these guys and drop them in urban environments every single time. And there's a good plot reason to do that, of course, because that creates the conflict because if not, there's nobody around, then there's nothing to do except go out there and kill gophers uh, and hopefully find some some streams to dip some water out of. Uh, but on the other hand is that if you're assuming that you're going into alternates of Earth, let's say, okay, or or other planets or whatever... The way that civilization is laid out, you have dense concentrations of people surrounded by vast tracts of farmland and wilderness and other things like that. So it really is most likely that when you do a, if you're doing a random drop onto another world, that you would be landing in a rural environment, possibly in a primitive environment, because that's randomly where you'd end up. And that kind of follows a lot of Richard's examples because he seems to have all people showing up on, you know, along highways or in rural towns uh, on alien worlds. If you want to play it that way, that's fine. I, I just think that it's more interesting for you, especially considering you're going to be looking for resources to come out into an urban area. However, if you want to play the game more covert, where people don't really know who you are or where you came from because that makes it a little easier for you to get back and you don't have anybody laying seeds to your plot while you were gone because you just took a chunk out of somebody's neighborhood, appearing on the outskirts of a town or somewhere out in the distance where you can find your way to a town within those 36 hours is a, easier on the player Kind of way of doing it So I I don't know whether to recommend it Or not, I'd say that if you have players That are not real gung-ho type players who are willing to jump in any situation and, and turn lemons into lemonade, then this would be a one way of buffering the weirdness, challenges they run into. The area around their zero plot is going to be relatively safe. Is When they start getting away from it, that's when they're going to start running into conflict as they drive their strange 1950 or 2010 automobiles into the 1860s.
0: You do have that 50% chance of appearing quietly rest of time, at the very least, you get you thunder sounds, and you and then you appear. Uh, of course, there's that 1 in 100 chance of the skies open up, the biggest lightning storm you've ever seen in your life, and just illustrates where you're going to show up at, at that point, and the natives will talk about for decades. Yeah, NORAD is activated.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, I think that one of the things that's going to be really necessary in the game is that... The first time you transit, and Richard actually makes a suggestion of this, you have the strange void engineer appear on your plot. In fringeworthy, we call him Schmurt. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and what he does is he basically wanders in, he asks for a cup of coffee, he's and he basically gives you the scoop on basic stuff about what's happening to you and what you can do. And then he wanders off and disappears. Because if you don't I mean, that's we've talked about tone. If you think that every place that you land, you just basically, you know, landed on the Wicked Witch of the West, uh, except that it wasn't the I'm sorry, it wasn't the Wicked Witch of the East. It was John and Sandy's house, and John and Sandy and their kids and dog just got wiped out. It's going to
4: change the tone of your game. I want to play it like Beetlejuice, where you get a
3: a, a handbook that
4: explains everything to you. Or Greatest American
3: Hero, where you get this crazy handbook and you lose it. That would be funny, too. You read the first couple of
1: chapters and then there's a sudden burst of weird weather that just snatches it out of your hands. And you're
4: like, but I wasn't finished. Some creature you can't identify goes, hey, I've been looking for that. Takes the book and leaves.
3: Or like one of those hot storms and a and a fireball lands right in the face of the book. You lose like 10 of the pages. You're like, dang. <laughs> We lost the index.
0: You're about to read the section on how to control zero plot travel.
3: (laughs) We lost the index, so it's it's, so it's like what most gaming books. No, it's an RPG game. It has no index. (laughs) table of contents
1: what is that right but the point is i think that it's really going to be necessary for someone to give the high low to your gamers the first time you play this game yeah. you know not not to the gamers themselves but to their characters so that they have some idea of what's going to happen otherwise it could end very badly and if you want to have a lighthearted type game, then that's going to be necessary. Now if you want super gritty, fine. Let the chips fall where the way. Nobody tells anybody anything. All knowledge is hard
4: won. It falls back to is this going to be a lighthearted game or is this going to be a super gritty game from the beginning? So are you going to give them a mentor? Is Obi-Wan Kenobi going to take your little hand and show you how the Jedi powers work? Or is it going to be Treasure Island and you're slapped around by your mentor who turns out to be a pirate and a bad guy.
3: I think it could even go another direction. And you got to know your players for this, of course, because you want to play to what your players want to do. It, not even talking about mentor or knowing how to work this or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you could, you could make this really horrible. You could really set it up to whereas you're in a house together or whatever, hanging out. It transits, you're traveling through space. And one of the first things happens to you is one of these firestorms and it burns your house to the ground. So now you're traveling on a piece of dirt. You know, with with a foundation that's been completely burned out, right? The first adventure could be really rough on you. You know, you're like, what the heck are we going to do? And another hab comes swinging by that's really nice. And your characters are put on a point where, do we take their hab? Do we do we jump ship, jump onto their mansion? Like a mansion goes floating by or or, or like Bruce, like you were saying, like a church or something. Something really nice that's just it's like – It's an orphanage. Right.
4: Are you going to take over the orphanage and throw the 20 children off the edge because they have food,
3: water, and shelter? Wait, wait. But you don't have to throw them off. It doesn't have to go that evil. But you may go over there and take over.
4: Look at the encounter groups you've got here in this game. Some of them are pretty awesome, but angels and demons.
3: This can be a really lighthearted game, can be a lot of fun, could be a lot of, you know, just just slapstick and stuff. Or it could be very serious. I mean, if you. it doesn't have to be goofy. This can be a very serious game with really questionable uh, you know moral politics and I mean you could get as gritty and as realistic with this as you want. I mean that this could be a very questionable game. Starting
4: the way the players do though, here you are, you're removed from your planet. The instant the house leaves, you're severed from all services. You lose electricity, you lose water, you lose sewer, you lose everything. Right off the bat, your players are going to turn into a raider mindset. You as the GM are going to have to yank them back from that edge if you want to keep it a lighthearted game. Their first adventurers go, we're taking everything that's not nailed down, and anything that's nailed down, try a pry bar. Hey, look, there's a trailer. Take it. From the start, you're going to have to yank them back out of that Raider mindset. You're going to have to Monty Hall them and gift them some stuff maybe once or twice to steer it back into a Disney version.
0: Paul, actually, Bruce is right. If you want to do the lighthearted version, you have Tom Turtledove show up. That's his name, Turtledove. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
4: Yeah, the master of alternate histories.
0: It turns out he's a void engineer, and he wants a cup of coffee, and oh yeah, don't worry, i get... Does some wiki wiki and the power comes back on. And he makes a cup of coffee and he t- explains to him how everything works. Everything's just fine. Just don't, don't panic. Lighthearted. Nitty gritty? None of that happens. <clears throat> you just basically go zoop and you're in the dark and you're wondering what the heck just happened? Where are we going? What the bleep is going on? And you land someplace and you don't speak, the, speak of the language.
1: <laughs> right. And and that's also in the game where the one of the example adventures, they don't speak the language. Everything is kind of done through sign language. And and having gone to Russia recently, I can tell you that you can function like that. Uh, believe me, a smile, a nod, and a willingness to not get in people's way is able to get you pretty far. you know. But it, sooner or later, you're going to run into somebody that you have to talk to or someone's going to demand to talk to you. And if you don't speak the language then you're going to have some problems there.
3: Oh, yeah. Being in Germany recently, same thing.
4: Where are your papers?
3: Yes. <laughs> this is Bruce Sheffer
4: saying,
0: there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying, keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in.
3: This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players.
2: And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called Gaming. It's for having fun. Yo,
0: brothers. This was the TriTech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives. And, sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts cause we're
3: some bad mothers.